Good morning, good morning. Welcome into our 1030 service. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to begin and worship this morning. The 
day For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb Oh, every knee will bow before Him Amen Praise the Lord this morning Welcome in today. You can have a seat for just a second. Welcome in. My name is Will Stutz. I'm the worship pastor here, and I'm so thankful to see so many people here today. This is awesome, man. If you are a guest or a first-time visitor, welcome. We are glad you're here. We've got a Connect card. If you didn't get one in your bulletins, I know I think we ran out of bulletins. That is fine. If you want to uh, if you want to fill out, a, we've got an online Connect card, or we might have some in the foyer, but we just want a record of your attendance. And so that's what we ask for. If you've got one, if you'll fill it out, put it in the bucket at the back at the end. We would greatly appreciate that. Me and Alan, we, we pray for the prayer requests are on the back. So if you're a member uh, or if you just have a prayer request, just let us know and we'll pray for you. We care about our people. And so um, it, as, as we continue in worship, we're going to celebrate with baptism this morning. I'm going to turn it over uh, to Pastor Alan, and uh, he's going to baptize here in just a second. All right, church, man, we are excited again to have another that has followed the Lord in baptism. This is one of our VBS decisions. And so she is uh, precious. Ansley is so precious and that got an opportunity to talk with her when she made her decision for Christ in VBS. And now that she's following in baptism. And so we got our kids sitting up here and it's just a, an exciting, exciting time that we get to worship together. So Ansley, come on, sweetheart. This is Ansley Hallman. All right, sweetie. You can turn right there. All right, Miss Ansley, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Yeah? Yeah, amen. Well, because of that profession of faith, I baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll hold your nose. Washed in the blood of Jesus and raised in newness of life. Amen, sweetheart. <laughs> Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you so much. Lord, for the ordinance of baptism, thank you for the opportunity that we have to celebrate this little one walking in obedience to you. Father, we just celebrate along with her and her family, uh, Lord, that's here. Uh, God, we pray that this would this act of worship, Lord, would just continue and feed, uh, God, our worship as we continue in worship. As we worship through song, as we worship in the word today, I pray that you would be brought glory in everything that's done and said. And we just look forward to seeing what you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue this morning, I just want to, to say that there, everybody comes in here with different things. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, God will meet you there. Um, he, he is with you no matter where you are in life. He is faithful. And we worship and we sing to God, not because of, of where we are, but because of who he is. And so this morning, we're going to read a little bit of scripture talking about who the God that we serve and the God that we live for is. Let's go ahead and throw that up for me, CJ. The Bible says in Psalms 96, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. 
And verse 4 says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let's say that together. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him and strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing this song called Mighty God. It declares who our God is and how he's worthy to be praised.
this next song just reminds us that he's faithful no matter where we are today. Sing this with me. Goodness 
never did another thing for us. You did enough by sending Jesus to die on a cross for our sins so that we can have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray for our church this morning. I pray for our visitors. I pray for every single person tuned in on live stream that, God, wherever we are, Lord, we would surrender to you. That, God, as we sang, God, with my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. And, God, I pray whatever that everything is for each one of us, God, we would we would let that be true in our lives. That God, whatever we're holding on to, whatever we're bringing, God, into this building today, we would lay it at your feet. God, we would worship you and give you the praise that you deserve. Lord, I know that you're in this place. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would have freedom. That, God, you would change hearts tonight or today. Lord, I pray that you would change lives forever because of your power, because of your goodness. God, because of your mercy. God, make us more like you today. I pray for our pastor. And I'm thankful for him. Lord, I pray you would speak through him. That God, as we open your word and we continue in worship, we would allow your word to speak to us and, and to change us. God, may we may we leave more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can have, have a seat. Amen. Man, thank you so much for being here today. Man, we're excited about how God is continuing to use our church uh, in this community. As I was thinking about the words of the song we just sang, right? That uh, when we sing about the goodness of God, the goodness of God, man, it's when things are going well, when things are going good, man, the goodness of God is, is, is always apparent and it's always obvious. Uh, the goodness of God is not always obvious. Right. Yesterday when we received news of the loss of Jesse Hobbs and, and uh, just obviously the, just everything the family was, was going through and uh, for his family and this church is where they, they attend and, uh, and also this community. Man, what a, an incredible loss. And, and so just continue to be in prayer. Man, I was so, 
uh, encouraged to see so many of our folks uh, there that were uh, encouraging and, and just being there to support. Not having the words to say, listen, as a pastor, I'll just tell you, I don't have the words to say uh, in a time like that. But we can trust God's goodness. And that transcends anything that we, we go through. And so very thankful that we have hope beyond this life. Uh, amen. So uh, what I want to do, I just want to begin in a word of prayer. I know we've prayed, but I, I we can't pray enough, right? I just want to voice a word of prayer uh, just for, for the family, for this community, uh, as for the days and weeks and, and months ahead as we uh, continue uh, with this loss. But let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, church. Father, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege that we have in prayer. And God, in all of the, the routine and all of the normal flow of service that we can get into, God, I pray that we would always carve out time, God, to minister and for you to speak to us. And I just, Lord, I feel led as, as the pastor of this local body of believers, God, just to, uh, just to pray for, support, uh, God, this, this family. Uh, God, I pray that you would be with them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with us as the church to be your hands and feet, uh, ministering to one in, uh, of our own. And so, Father, I just pray that you would do a work. And, Lord, that you would do what you do. In the good and the bad, you would prove yourself faithful and you would prove your goodness. And so, Father, we love you and we trust you and we just pray that you would do a mighty work in this time of worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. We are continuing our, or excuse me, we are beginning a new series. We're continuing the trend of changing series. We are changing series this week. Uh, this is our new Rhythms series that we're going through. We're going through with all three campuses. Uh, and we're doing something exciting with this that we've done once before, and it was well-received. With our Start Here series, we, we taught on Sunday mornings, and then we taught on in midweek. We taught during our home groups as well. And so if you are not signed up for home groups, here's what I'll tell you. It's not too late. All right, we've had a fellowship night. We met this last week. We've had a fellowship night with our groups, um, but we haven't even started the material yet. You literally won't miss a single week of material. If you will sign up today, we would love to get you plugged in to one of our home groups because this rhythm series will be tracking for four weeks, not only on Sunday morning, but in our home groups as well. And so every one of our home groups uh, will be tracking this idea of rhythms and spiritual discipline. So make sure that you sign up uh, because you literally, if you don't, you will be missing 50% of what God has for you. You'll be missing 50% of it and uh, just plugging in on Sundays. But we're thankful that you're here and, and we would just encourage you that direction. Uh, and so with a topic like spiritual disciplines, our, our series is rhythm, spiritual disciplines in everyday life, right? We, we all live our life... Whether we know it or not, we, we are disciplined. We are disciplined for one thing or another. But when I say the word discipline, when I say the word discipline, what immediately comes to your mind? What are some things that come to your mind? Somebody? Whoopings, right? I immediately, I think of, as a kid, Mr. Spoon. So Mr. Spoon and Mr. Spoon was a bad man. He was a bad man, and uh, he was used on my rear end or whatever my mom could reach at the time uh, often, 
right? And uh, Mr. Spoon is something that haunts a young child, right? I mean, the worst thing imaginable is for my kids to see, to hear me rummaging in this little compartment where Mr. Spoon sits. You know, it's kind of like that familiar sound of the thwip of your dad's belt out of the belt loops. And you just know I'm about to get war slap out, um, get tore up from the floor up. So Mr. Spoon has, when we think of discipline, we immediately think of pain, right? We think of Mr. Spoon. And, but here's the thing. As a kid growing up, man, I was terrified of Mr. Spoon. As an adult, as a parent, guess what? I'm wielding Mr. Spoon. I'm the one giving the spanking. So what has changed from something that I dreaded as a kid that now maturing and getting older, what, what's happened in my life? I've gained some perspective, right? I've matured a little bit. And after maturing a little bit, I realized that I probably didn't get spanked enough, right? I could have probably, my, my mom could have probably straightened out a few other rough edges had she used this a little bit more on me, right? Um, why? Because with maturity comes perspective, as a kid, and, and my kids, we, we have this bartering going on. When I say, all right, we, we, if you ever hear me, by the way, in public, and I'll just go ahead and say, if you hear me name a number at my kids, they know and I know it's the number of spankings. So when you hear me go, two, and they freak out, they're not, they don't have, they're not definitely afraid of the number two, uh, that they're getting wore out twice, right? They're getting spanked twice. No, daddy, no, right? I just want one, I just want one, right? Or I get this, is mama going to spank me or is daddy going to spank me? And I ain't going to tell you which one they prefer, but her reaction tells you all you need to know. Then we get this. Are you going to spank me with a spoon? Are you going to spank me with your hand? Let me just tell you, my oldest kid, forget it. I'm done spanking with the hand. I, I tore my hand up. I was, my, my inside of my hand was bruised the last time I tried to spank him. So he's done with that. That ain't ever happened again. Are you going to spank me with your hand or are you going to spank me with a spoon? With a spoon. Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. Daddy, can I keep my, do I, can I keep my pants on or do I have to pull my pants down? So you're going to have to pull your pants down. Oh, daddy. And so we chase our kids around the house, and they get spanked. But why? Why now, the thing that I was afraid of, why do I wield it with my children? Because I see the value in discipline. I see that there's value to be had. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, it's no different, right? That, that the reason why we discipline our children, whatever discipline works, uh, honestly, my middle kid, it's, it's taking time from Papa. Well, you can't go to Papa's house this week, and that and all. You want to talk about a come apart, son. He will sit in puddles for days uh, when I threaten Paw Paw time. And so does my, his Paw Paw, by the way. He, he cries as well. No, yeah. <laughs> son, no. Uh, he does. He does. Because uh, that kid loves his Paw Paw. But I see the value in discipline. Why? Because I'm more mature. There's value in discipline. Discipline, when used correctly, brings about achievement. And we think about discipline in these negative contexts, 
we are thinking about it in very short tide and in a very short short sighted understanding. Viewing it like a kid that's just about to get tore up and he's not happy about it, right? Instead, God desires for us to utilize discipline. And as we get more mature, we realize what God is doing all along. God has a purpose and a plan for discipline. We see the pain in discipline often. What sometimes we fail to realize, especially when we're going through it, is the prize. See, there's a prize that's associated with discipline as well. The most disciplined athlete gets the prize. The one who's most willing to be miserable in a gym, in a, in a, in a weight room, on a field. The one that's willing to be disciplined the most, to put in the most reps, receives a prize. And we'll be talking about the, this text specifically, that all runners that run a race... Only one receives the prize. So we should run in a way that we should obtain it, right? Because discipline doesn't just, isn't just associated with pain. It's associated with progress. That it gets us closer to the prize. And our spiritual life is no different. Although discipline brings struggle today, it also brings success tomorrow. And so what we struggle with today, as, we can, as, as God continues to use it and to mold us, it brings about success tomorrow. While it requires a fight now, it promises freedom in the future. When I was a teenager, I played guitar in our student band. I'm the typical youth pastor you know, I, I basic youth pastor, three chords, G, C, and D, and maybe some power chords mixed in because that's all that they did worship with in my day. Um, that's me. And I look up here and I see Will leading and I see him playing guitar and I see him singing, which <laughs> I hadn't done that since puberty. Um, <laughs> but I see him singing. I think, man, I would love to be free to lead worship. I would love to be free to sing. I would love to be free to play guitar. But you know what I realize about that? My guitar is still at my parents' house. My guitar has never even made it to my house. I don't play my guitar. Literally the other day, I got out my guitar and it blew my kid's mind that I could actually play a little bit of, of the guitar. Like they were just, they were so excited. And they're like, well, daddy, can you play this? No, son. Uh, daddy, can you play this? No, son. 90s worships. 90s and early 2000 worships. That's it. That's all I got. Charlie Hall and, and uh, David Crowder, like Chris Tomlin, maybe early stuff. Like, that's all I got, kids. So if you don't like that, you just don't like it. All right. And, and I can remember, and, and I was thinking like, man, how awesome it would be to be free to do that. But I've never put in the work for it. I've never spent the time to do that. So I've never been able to experience the freedom. Listen, when you win in a football game, right, you, you have to put forth effort. If you just show up, that it's not going to cut it. It's not going to happen. But if you're willing to put forth the effort, man, when you see success, you recognize all along, right? It's about the grind. And so today I want to talk about it, spiritual discipline. Man, talk about the grind of spiritual discipline. What, is it, what does it mean to live disciplined lives? Is there going to be pain? Sure. Is there going to be struggle? Sure. Is there going to be difficulty? Sure. But man, think about the reward. Think about what we can see happen in our lives as a result of maturity in Christ. Because maturity gives us perspective. Gives us perspective in what we go through. First Timothy chapter, chapter 4 is where we're going to be. 
First Timothy chapter 4, you can turn there in your Bibles. The first thing we're going to see is if we're to live disciplined lives, we need to be learners. We need to be learning, right? And so learning is the first point. Learning is something today that has taken a back seat to others. And so as we read in verse 6, Paul is very strategic to talk to Timothy, who is a pastor, by the way, pastor of the church of Ephesus. He is very specific to talk to him about the importance of learning in his spiritual journey. Listen to what he says in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. There is a trend in society today where feelings are exalted and truth becomes relative. Because someone feels a certain way, because it just feels better or someone's emotions tend this way over another, we are willing to compromise truth Compromise obvious truth in order to placate to people's feelings. We live in a world that exalts emotion and feeling over truth. And we look at the world and go, well, that's crazy. Why would, we do, why would they do that? Why would they, why would they operate that way? Guys, I, I see it in the church. I see a pursuit of a spiritual high or a mountaintop. I see this, woo emotionally and then we fall back down to the daily life and we, we, we get stuck in this spiritual rut and we wait for the next Sunday or the next midweek small group or, or the next student trip or the next whatever the case may be to pick us back up. We chase emotion way more than we chase truth. And so if we are to be disciplined people, being disciplined for the purpose of godliness, as we'll read, we must be devoted to truth. We must place truth as the standard for everything else that we measure. What did Jesus say in John chapter 17? Lord, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Well, it doesn't really matter how I feel or not. Man, like the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you, when I got the news Saturday afternoon, I didn't feel like God was real good right then. I felt hurt and I felt pain. But God's good. His, the truth of his word says he is. And so I place that over how I feel in my limited perspective. We have to be willing to be learners giving, giving proper importance to the truth of God's word. We live in a world that they emphasize only the heart behind leading over that of the head. Right? It's all about, oh, they mean well, bless their hearts. Bless the Lord. Now, they may all, you know, they may, they may ne never make a decision for Christ, but Lord, they mean well, bless them. Right? We, we, we favor Motives and, and emotions over matters of truth. Here's the problem with this. And I want you to hear me because I'm going to say something. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're not going to like it at first. I had to be informed by the gospel before I was ever transformed by it. 
I had to learn about the gospel before it ever changed my life. I received the gospel first in my mind before it ever entered my heart. Okay? For us to say, man, we don't need we 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 don't need to learn. We just need to chase after things of God and and we'll know that we're right where we need to be because there's an emotional high attached to it and because it made me cry or because it made me feel this certain way or gave me warm fuzzy feelings. If we're not careful and we don't ground that in scripture, we can fall for a lie. And we can believe things adamantly that just simply are not truth. And so we live in a world, man, it doesn't matter all the degrees and all that. And, and, and listen, y'all, I'm not arguing those things. What I am arguing is the truth of God's word. And we need to be workmen that needeth not to be ashamed to rightly divide the word of truth. This is the, this is the goal of me as a pastor. This is goals for me, right? To rightly divide God's truth, right? But, but, it came to us, the, the gospel came to us through our minds first. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we are informed. If we are to have faith in something, we have to be informed that it exists. We have to be informed of the truth of it. And so as a young child, I had to hear the gospel. By the way, that's why we focus so much on children's ministry here at North. Because children, even though they may not be ready to receive it yet, they are hearing the gospel. They are being informed of the gospel. And then we can see it transform their life at a later date. And so we get that information. It's by faith comes through hearing. And faith is so important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it starts in the mind. It comes through hearing. And then hearing by the word of God. Somebody had to share with you the gospel. Had no one shared with you the gospel, you'd have never had information to make the, make the necessary moves in your heart and life to receive it. Had, you not, is it, not, had it not been brought to you. And so good deeds... Come from good doctrine. Listen, I want you to understand, it is doctrine that would cause people to get into a plane full of people and fly it into buildings. It's doctrine. What that person believes to be truth is what leads someone to commit even the most heinous of acts. It's doctrine. Doctrine is important, right? We've got to understand if we don't have right doctrine, we reach really bad conclusions in our emotions. And man, we begin acting on some really dangerous stuff. But good doctrine, good understanding, good intellect leads us to respond, leads us to action. And so we, we see that Jesus... Talking about the great commandment, right? Not the great commission, but the great commandment. Matthew 22, 37. He quotes the Shema. They said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he said, that's easy. And he quotes the Shema. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, which everyone would have recognized. But he adds something. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He adds something to it. Right? Before that, it was we're, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, and strength. Right? But he's making a point that Christianity is not a brain-dead religion. It's one that we engage in and one that we receive intellectually before we ever receive it transformationally. 
And so this is what he says. We must be willing to grow. What in your life have you created in order to grow in Christ more? What have you carved out? What practices are you currently doing to learn more about God and his word? We have to be willing to be learners. Your head, in your notes, your head must be informed by Christ before it can progress in Christ. If you're to get mature in Christ, it's going to come through an understanding of God's word. It's going to come through that relationship with him. I think people are functioning at a very small level spiritually because they don't have any idea or desire to be a learner of things of God. Because knowing God's word is vital to obeying what it says. Right? Because it doesn't stop there. If it stays in our mind and it's just in our mind, right? We've also failed. We've become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. Right? If it stays in our head and it never makes its way beyond that, then we have completely missed it as a child of God. And so not just learning, but living is what Paul calls Timothy to do. Look at verse 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So our intellect alone will not get us moving. There comes a point where it's got to move from our head to our hands. We have to be willing to live out the things that we have taken in, that we understand. We understand the purpose of bodily exercise, right? It's pretty obvious when someone begins to neglect a good diet when someone begins to neglect exercise, it's, it's obvious. Physical exercise is profitable to us. It has profit. I often wonder, what if people were walking around in the spiritual shape that they're in? What if we recognized people most quickly for that as opposed to what we see every day? Because we spend our whole life covering physical flaws. And, you know, that has value. And that's important. You can't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength if you're constantly digging from the bottom of the barrel, right? But what if those same spiritual flaws were obvious to all of us? I heard Andy John say it this way, and this is good. And he said, you know, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, i got to get my steps in, Right? I got to close my circles today. You got your, you got your watch, right? You got to close your circle. You got to get up and move. I've got people that have alarms, right? You need to get moving because you hadn't been moving in a while. And you see people in there. I got to get my steps in. I got to get my work in. I got to do this. I got to do that. And he, he brought up this point. I thought it was so good. He said, we are so quick to make sure that we are meeting physical requirements to meet all of our physical steps. But yet we are content to never take our spiritual steps. We're content to never do what's necessary to grow and mature in Christ. And so it never makes its way. The reason why we don't do anything for Christ is because he hasn't changed us. We haven't filled ourselves with him, right? We haven't, we haven't made those changes in our life. And so the head affects the hands. What rules your head conforms your hands. 
It conforms what you do shows what you're, what's important to you. The reason why you spend money on what you spend money on, the reason why you spend time on what you spend time on is because that is what is important to you. Don't lie to yourself and say that the kingdom of God is the most important thing in my life if it makes no earthly impact on your life. Because it's simply not true. Well, I feel like it is. Well, there you go again. It's time to be a learner and understand For those that are in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. The word translated train there. Train yourself for the purpose of godliness. In verse 7. Is the Greek word gymnasio. It's where we get the word gymnasium. Train yourself for the purpose of of godliness. And he uses this word where we get the word gymnasium. And I think about like, what do you do in a gym? Right? If you're spending time in a gym, right? You're not kickback watching TV, right? You're working, you're sweating, you're lifting weights, you're shooting basketball, you're sweating, you're putting forth, you're putting forth effort in a gym. That's just what you do. For Paul to say, train yourself for the purpose of godliness he and his hearer, Timothy, would understand that he's talking about spending some spiritual sweat. In life, we should be willing to sweat spiritually. If we're willing to work for this life, does it not make sense that we're willing to work for the life to come? And so how much effort are we putting into this? Because where your heart is, there your treasure is going to be also. Right? It's going to tell on us. And so what are we spending our time? What is our hands doing? Because our hands are trained to what is important to us. We, what are you willing to sweat for? I'm willing to sweat for a living for my family. I'm willing to sweat for a good name in our community. I'm willing to sweat for my kid to get good grades and to be a success in life. And man, those are not bad things. But if they are our primary and the secondary is the spiritual needs of our family, I think we find where we are at as in the as in. The New Testament church, right? The, the North American church finds itself in that, man, because even though we have the intellect, we understand what Jesus did and how he changed us, it's never made its way to our hands. So what rules your head conforms your hands. But there's a reason why it's never made its way to our hands. If all you hear from me today is that you need to learn more, you need to study more so that you can do better and you can achieve more for Jesus. Let me tell you, my friend, you've not heard the gospel. You've heard a self-help seminar. Because there is something that God offers that's greater and is the secret sauce by everything that we do. If all you hear is, man, I need to learn more and I need to do better, then my friend, if that's what you leave with, then you leave with legalism. I need to do a whole bunch of stuff and make people, make God really proud of me. You leave with a works-based salvation, but God has done something in us that has changed everything. And he tells Timothy, not only should you be learning, not only should you be living it out, but you need to be looking as well. Listen to Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy 4, 9 through 10. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for this end. Circle that, highlight it, whatever you've got to do in your Bible. For this 
end we toil and strive. For this end we endure discipline. For this end we endure pain. For this end we are molded and we are formed. And what does he say? What are we looking to? For this end we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God. We have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. So what is the end? The end is not do better, try better, think harder. The end is I am to bring glory to God. Paul is talking to Timothy out of common vernacular. He's talking to somebody that has a relationship with Christ. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, I know what God has done in your heart and in your life. And you do all of these things. You, ex- you exercise spiritually. You put forth the spiritual sweat. You, you put forth the time to learn, to be uh, grounded and more mature in your faith. You do all of these things. You, you fill your head and you conform your hands Because God's done something in you that's different from the rest of the world. God has changed you. And so in your notes, the truth that informs our head and conforms our hands must transform our hearts. There's an amazing thing that happens when we begin to read God's word we begin to get into God's word. We begin to seek him in prayer. We begin to search for him. He reveals himself to us. And so the message that you hear today is not work harder, try harder alone. As a child of God, based on that relationship, if you are looking forward to the hope that we have in Christ in the living God, if you are looking forward that hope, you are willing to live toward that means and you are willing to learn toward those ends. All that I have and all that I am working for is because what Christ has done in my heart. As Brother Dusty used to always say, he's changed our want to. He's changed our desire. In fact, in this whole series, as we talk about spiritual disciplines, I don't want you to focus so much on the disciplines that you miss the God that gives you the grace to do it. Right? Not even disciplines in a legalistic sense, but I've heard said before that we need a desire for God. We need devotion to him. It's not just empty disciplines off alone and I need to do all these things because I feel like that's what I need to do. I feel like sometimes that's what we can, we can get on our own. We can do good things for a little bit this way. But when it's connected to desire, it becomes devotion. Right Now I am devoted to things of God because he has changed my desire. No longer am I living for myself. I am living for the one who has set me free. He set us free. He's given us the freedom. The same freedom that I would look to play guitar or to sing. The same freedom that you may look to 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 do whatever it is that you envy in other people. Right, That you're jealous of other people that they can do. Right, God has already given us freedom. 
We have that freedom, but in light of that freedom, we live and we learn for him. Because it informs our mind. It conforms our hands. But that only happens because it transforms our heart. So in here today, I don't want to give you a self-help message. That, hey, you need to try harder, you need to do better. I want you to return to Jesus. I want you to return to him and allow those disciplines to be understood in the context of desire. It's the only way you're going to stand the test of time. can't do it outside of relationship with Jesus. You can't do it outside of this transformation. He has to change your heart. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here today, All that I have said has been encapsulated in the phrase, to this end we toil and strive because we have this hope. Timothy, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. You've experienced the hope and now you have the same hope in Jesus. And so if you're here today, and I don't care what you've carried in here, I don't care what emotions you've brought in, what your life is like currently, I would just ask that you respond. I would ask that if you feel God moving in your heart and life, I would ask that you would just surrender your heart to him. Surrender it to him and allow him to transform you. Now, when that transformation takes place, then it's time to get to work. Time to get to work. Learning and living for him. But it's not done outside of a relationship with him. So to begin this spiritual disciplines series, I want to start with the gospel. And would you respond to the message of the hope that's found in Jesus? To this end, we toil and strive. This is what makes it all worth it for us. Because we have this hope. So if you're here and you don't have that hope today, I want you to respond to Jesus. I'd love for you to come. Make your way to the front. Find me here at the front. We've got counselors that would love to talk to you about any decision that needs to be made today. Maybe you're here and, and you recognize you have a relationship with Christ. He's, he's, he's changed you. But you have allowed so much of the world to creep in. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to join. Maybe you need accountability with a church family that's going to help push you in these ways. As we learn how to be mature and to mature in Christ together. Well, I'm not there. And I know you're not either. Maybe you need to join. Maybe you need, as Ansley has given us a wonderful example childlike faith to follow the Lord and then to be baptized to let others know about the change that's been made in their life or maybe you just need to spend time at this altar you just need to lay some things down you need to get right with the Lord whatever the case may be I pray that you would respond today to this incredible message to the hope that's found in Jesus Father Have your will and way in this place. Let us respond in a way that only you receive glory. 
yours be the glory in this church now and forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? This time is for you. Would you come? gathered you're here in our midst and God I pray whatever may be holding any person any heart in this room or in rooms that are live streaming this today or sometime in the future God I pray that you would meet us where we are we would understand we don't have to turn, we don't have to change, we don't have to clean up our act. God, that is what you offer through your Holy Spirit. And that we would simply respond to the gift that you have offered us. And we can see the transformation beginning in our life. God, be with those that need to respond to you in salvation one that needs to make a decision to follow you in whatever way. I pray that you would eliminate, God, all the barriers that may seem to be in their way. And God, that they would let somebody know. They would clue somebody in on what, what decision they need to make. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time of response. And we know that your invitation never closes. So let us leave in obedience to you, prepared to live in light of what you've told us, what you've taught us today. God, it's in your name that we all pray. Amen and amen. You can-
can be seated. I want to remind you, if you're watching online or in person, we have those Connect cards for you for whatever reason you didn't respond today. As Will talked about, those Connect cards are there in your bulletin and they're attached to the link on this, uh, from this post. Uh, please fill out those cards online or uh, in person. Uh, you can drop them in the offering bucket or just submit them and we would love to follow up with any decision that you've made today, okay? All right, guys, y'all check out these announcements and we'll be dismissed. Hey, North family, it's Joseph. I've got a few things for you before you leave today. First, our home groups have begun and week one has been a blast. And it's not too late to sign up if you want to get plugged in. We'll begin working through our rhythms material this week. And here's an idea of what we'll be discussing. Check this out. I think the Christian life oftentimes is what, what we're looking for are those flashy, really cool youth camp uh, or, you know, huge moments of spiritual growth. But most of our growth is going to be just tiny baby steps, choosing to get up this morning and read the Bible and then doing it the next day and the next day and the next day. And um, I think recognizing the million steps that we're going to take in our spiritual walk um, and recognizing that they're not flashy. I'm somewhere on that walk, that, that Christian walk. And uh, I've got a long way to go, and I'm not going to get there by taking huge steps. I'm going to get there by taking little bitty tiny steps. It should be a great study, so don't put it off any longer if you haven't signed up for one. Stop by the next steps table in the foyer or just scan the QR code on your bulletin. And next, have you all been itching to hang out together as a church again? Oh, we've got some good news for you. Mark your calendars because we're having a fellowship event on September 19th from 4 to 7 p.m. This will be a potluck event at the Ellis Farms in Leicester. We'll have games and other activities set up, so bring a chair let's hang out and fellowship together. And finally, North students, Hype Night is next Sunday from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Last month, you hit an attendance goal of 50 students, and because of that, I get to preach this Hype Night in a costume that you get to vote on. You'll have until Wednesday to vote, and we've set the links out on the Remind and Facebook. But if you aren't set up on those platforms, we have a sheet in the foyer that you can scan today to make your vote count. So bring a friend. You don't want to miss it. And that's all we have for you guys today. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Man, it's good to see a packed house on a Sunday morning here at church. Uh, this is the time that we do our tithes and offerings. This is where we're faithful in giving back to God as he's asked us to. If you're a guest with us, I want to let you know that we don't ask our guests to give financially. Um, just place your Connect card in the offering bucket on the way out. Let us know who you are and uh, how we can reach out to you. Uh, if you came prepared to give and cash or check, you can use the envelopes in the chair back in front of you. Uh, there's also two other ways you can give. You can use our new text to give option. You can text LLBC North to 73256. You can also give online at lindsaylanenorth.org. And for those of you watching online, you can always mail to the address at the bottom of the screen. All right, stop by the Next Steps table on the way out. Find out how you can get plugged into the, any of the ministries we have going on tonight. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. No men's group tonight. You are dismissed to be in the community and for the community. Thank you.